0: God's got a plan for us, and God is for us. He's not against us. I just want to read some verses to you. The book of Matthew, chapter 10. Matthew, chapter 10, verse 28 says Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows or a whole flock of sparrows. I just feel like the Lord said, I'm watching, I see, my eyes are upon you. Who's encouraged by that? You know, it's a truth that we know, but really, the more mature you become, what is there in your Bible that you don't know? Is there anything in knowledge-wise that you don't know anymore? Right, no one's willing to raise their hand because it seems prideful. It's not prideful. You have it in your head. You know, I knew this all the stories by like nine because I probably spent more hours in church as a kid than most people do getting a doctorate. <laughs> and so it was in my head. But there's a knowing that needs to happen. It needs to reach a place of our heart, a refreshed place of our heart today. Amen. And you need to know the Lord is watching. I didn't plan on any of that there in worship, but it certainly goes along with what I felt like he wanted to say today in his sermon. And that is that his eyes are on the sparrow, they're certainly on us. He's well aware of what is going on in the earth. He's well aware of what is going on in your life. He cares about every single detail. Amen. Who believes that he really does care about every detail, though? Sometimes it doesn't feel like God cares. Sometimes, you know, I could think, God, you don't care about this. But he really does, just because it doesn't, seem like he's super involved in every detail doesn't mean that he's not aware and caring about every single detail. Does that make sense? I want to read to you the book of Matthew in chapter 6 along the same theme. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 19, it says, Do not store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them, and rust destroys, and thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food in your body, more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you... Come on, I want you to say this out loud. I am far more valuable to him than the birds. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You know what's funny, and I've said this before, I'm guilty of this too. We say, don't worry, but then we worry. Right? We all do it. You don't even realize you're worried. Driving down the road, maybe nobody's experienced this, but sometimes I'm driving and I'm like, why do I feel funny? I just feel funny. And I'm like, don't even remember what it was, but I've got something caused a reaction. You know, your body, your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, it's all connected. It's chemicals going through your body, right? Stress is a chemical. Worry produces these chemicals. I remember learning in college health class it's like this black toxin, right? Stress puts a literally a toxin into your body. Now, it can serve a purpose to get you in a heightened awareness, you know, fight or flight. But when it st- sits in there, when you carry it, we learned way back then, college, and now today, it's definitely been proven, but that it was the leading cause, really, of cancers and heart diseases came from stress, So we just, we live in a worry society we don't even realize. So sometimes I'm driving down the road and I'm like, why do I even feel like I feel right now? And I don't even realize that I got worried about something and it's actually down in my subconscious. So in my mind, I'm not even remembering. And then I have to search through my day. I'm like, oh yeah. And then sometimes right then and there, I'll just deal with it so that I don't carry that unnecessary weight around anymore. The Lord actually is watching over everything. He's watching over everything. Say it out loud. God is watching over everything. He goes on to say, he says, verse 28, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry, verse 31 About these things, everybody say these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Those seem like pretty, these don't even seem like the extremes. Those seem pretty normal. He's saying don't even worry about the base things, simple things. Don't worry about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of un believers. So the unbeliever is thinking about this earth. How am I going to make it? How am I going to get my kids through college? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to get through? How am I going to, in some ways, how am I going to compete with my neighbors? (laughs) Right? That's the world. It says, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. God is very aware of our lives, what we need. He's he's watching over every single part of our lives. So what happens is, before I read verse 33, and that's where I want to springboard from, what happens is, when situations in our life surprise us or shock us or we're like, we're just caught off guard or like, you know, a rogue wave hits our boat or who's ever been in the ocean and it's just calm and you're just standing there talking with friends, talking with your kids and then all of a sudden that one wave, right? Everybody's been there if you've been in the ocean. Like, where'd that thing come from? And it just knocks you down and goes tumbling. Life is like that. And the enemy would love to make you feel like, see, God doesn't care. God doesn't even know what's going on. God didn't even see that wave coming. He would why didn't he tell you? Right? Who's experienced something like that in your life? Or made you question, makes you wonder? My word, who believes your word? My word says that God cares about flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow and about birds And yet, we are so much more valuable than they. He says he knows all your needs. He knows what's going on. He is aware and he is watching. And so, verse 33 says, and we all know this as mature Christians seek the kingdom of God. You may know it as seek first the kingdom of God, right? Above all else. Everybody say, above all else. Seek his kingdom first. I like the way the NLT translates it because I don't want his kingdom first and then my life second. I want his kingdom to be all. To be everything. All else. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Something like this, when I'm Preaching to, you know, it's funny as a preacher, when we're a small church, I know everybody. So, you know, sometimes I wish there was a crowd, not because I, I don't need that emotionally, like need a crowd to feel like I'm actually doing something. I love you guys. But then it would be easier just to preach and not worry about what everybody's thinking. I'm like, well, who's he talking to? What's that mean? What's this mean? You talking to me. You talking to me like that. Doesn't he know what I do and how much I love God? What? I've been praying every day this week. Tell me I need to seek him more. I feel from the Spirit of God, because I, I saw him, because I've been I said it last week too, and I, I'm going to say it again, that I could just pull out any truth in his word, and it would be a truth, and I could give you bread. I could give you life from it. as a a servant of God, and you could do the same thing to someone on the street. You don't have to try. You just give him word, and there's life in it. But then there's also a word in season. There's a word for the moment. Amen. Who's experienced that? So I just feel from the heart of God that we need to set our eyes on the kingdom today. Just set our eyes on his kingdom and be about his business. Just be about his kingdom. So don't feel condemned. Don't say... I've already got my eyes on his kingdom. Don't do that. That's just flesh. <laughs> I'm not saying any of you are, but just don't do that. Don't say, well, I'm already seeking him. How do I seek him more? Just let the Lord speak to us. Let's just set our eyes on his kingdom afresh. As if we were never seeking him so far, let's just pretend like we don't even know him and, and just like make a physical turn to him. I'm going to set my eyes on the kingdom of God in this hour and in this season. And because the Bible says, if I will set my eyes on the kingdom of God, and if I will live righteously, this whole paragraph of how he's watching and he's aware and he's doing and he's moving it, you know, God will work out the details. I need you to say that out loud. God will work out the details. The problem with humanity is that we want to micromanage how quickly and how he does that right? What we need to do is just, we need to truly just let go. You know, there's something interesting about flowers. He says that he cares about them, and yet the earth has droughts. He says he cares about the birds, but where are the worms when the drought is? The worms are all dead on the surface or deep down. The bird can't even get to it, and the bird dies, Interesting thought, isn't it? I have to believe his word and not believe my perception. I have flowers that I just planted and I was hoping that they would grow. Literally, the day I planted them, we got a drought for like two weeks. You guys realize we needed all that rain, by the way? Everybody's like, oh, it's so much rain. I'm like, well, thank God we needed rain. It hadn't rained in weeks. It was literally as soon as I planted plants and I'm out there watering and I put like so many different ones and they're not even together. Like I just water one area. I was like, this is a lot of work to water these plants. But as soon as it rains, the life, you know, that that flower doesn't know any different. I know it's so simple, but the flowers like it's dry today. It's wet. To, it's dry yesterday. It's wet today. It just is. We just need to be. We just need to trust. We need to set our eyes on his kingdom, set our eyes on him, and just be. And you might be thinking, well, it's dry today. And we need to take those thoughts away, just literally, which is so hard for us to do, because we're like, you know, Lord, but I don't see you doing what I think you should be doing right now. And we need to just push that aside. And we need to know that there are seasons of dry and there are seasons of wet, but that he is watching and he's carrying, you know what? I didn't lose one flower, one plant. They all made it so far. He says, verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Who's worried about tomorrow? (laughs) You know, when we read God's word, sometimes Jesus tells us things that we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, no, 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 no. You're not listening. (laughs) Because you're like, yeah, okay, 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 I heard it. No, you didn't, because you're still worrying. Like, Lord, I'm not worried. Yes, you are. It's in your subconscious. You don't even know it. But just pause for a second, and you're like, why does your stomach feel funny? Oh, yeah, I guess I am worried. I didn't even know I was worried. God's got a plan and purpose for us. Amen. That's right. He is in control. He really is. I know it's such a simple statement, but he is in control. God's in control. There's all this stuff going on in between. So, you know, if you look at all that, all the chaos, you could really fry your brain, huh? Who gets fried when you look at the chaos? When you look at all the confusion, who has actually experienced this? Who has given a situation to God, which was really hard to do, And you truly did, okay, one point in your life, you just truly abandoned it to God. And you know what? There was a whole bunch of drama and chaos in between, but you were so abandoned from it that it didn't phase you, and you just watched God work the situation out. Who has seen God do that? I've seen him do it. I mean, it was hard to do. I'm not saying I've done that every time, but the times where I just truly said, You've got this, and I just kept, you know what? it's not a sin to doubt and fear and worry as long as, as soon as I notice I'm in it again, that I give it to him again. And I'll give it to him again. And I realize now I'm meditating on uh, it again, and I don't even, I didn't realize how I got back into that thinking, so now I'll just give it to him again. And again, and again, and again, and that's just me, just keep, just keep handing it to him. I really believe that I get cautious about talking about the Lord's blessing because it's been so twisted and turned. but I really believe that that God wants to bless His people. And now when I say that, I say it with a disclosure because God's blessing is so different than the way that the earth would perceive it. I was actually just thinking about a simple thought. If we go through the Word, what we do is out of the billions of people that lived on the earth, and out of the millions of Israelites, we pick out about six people that were really rich in the Bible, and they become our model. It's like we look at David, but I was just thinking, like, what about like the cupbearer to David? Was he not blessed by God for being faithful? Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And in fact, the king's like, oh, you can have a whole bunch of blessings too. He's like, I don't need it. Day, uh, Daniel was a eunuch. Literally, his life stripped away. He was a servant of Babylon. And they're like, oh, we're going to bless you and raise you up. And he's like, I'm not interested in that. But I believe that God wants to bless us. And his blessing is actually not measurable. God's blessing is really more in the realm of favor in our lives than substance. Does that make sense? How do you actually measure favor? Who's actually seen God just work situations out in your life? How do you put a monetary value on that? I'd rather that than money anyway. Fine, Lord, you give them the money. I'll take the favor. Favor gets you a lot further in this world. We need God's favor in this world. And I really believe that God wants to bless his people. I know it sounds cliche, but no matter what this earth looks like, no matter what 2021 looks like, no matter who's uh, in charge, no matter what's going on around the world, no matter what's going on in the heavens, like right now, (laughs) none of that changes the fact that God is in control, God is watching us, And that truly his heart for us is to bless his people. God, though, says, I want you to do something, though, that is upside down, inside out, right? The inside out, upside down kingdom. I want you to store your blessing in heaven, though. What I'm going to do is I'm going to preserve it in heaven. Because if you are earthly, if you focus on this earth, if you want to take control... You want to be in control. You want to put worry on yourself. And you want to go through this life with your own strength. You can do that. But just so you know, thieves are going to break in and steal. Moth and rust is going to eventually destroy everything. But if you focus on my kingdom, you focus on my purposes, I will create a blessing for you that is preserved for all time. Where the moth cannot destroy The thieves cannot break it and steal where the rust does not destroy. Amen. I know it's such a simple thought, and yet it's so crucial that we really get this, that our eyes, our focus is on him. And then I want to say this. So I gave that disclosure, but I really believe that even in this earth, do not ask me what does that look like, because I don't know the answer, but that he's going to bless his people on this earth as well. But I want to say this, and you guys know, if you know me, you know my disclosure to this, that I don't believe we deserve any of it. I don't deserve grace and mercy, but he's given that to me freely. Before I even repented, he was already had it on the cross for me. Everything I have is a gift, and everything I have is a blessing from God. So that means I've already been blessed. That means the second that he gave me grace and mercy and forgiveness, I was fully, 100% blessed by God. We are a blessed people by the Lord, and the Lord is going to protect his people. I want you to know that God's going to protect you in this season. But I want to, just for these next couple of minutes, I'm not going to talk long today, but for the next couple of minutes, I want you to understand this, that I don't want to put us in condemnation, and many preachers throughout the years have tried to dissect when things are good and bad in our lives, and try and like Job's friends. We just read through Job, remember? And what Job's friends were trying to do is figure out why it was good and why it was bad. And what we need to know is we are God's people and we are blessed and his eye is upon us. You need to settle that right now. Just settle that. That means that whatever is happening in the earth, whatever good, whatever bad, that... I'm going to set my eyes on him, and, and that means that everything in between. When I'm in a valley, I'm in a valley. When I'm on a mountaintop, thank God, I'm going to praise him for that time. But when I go back down into the valley again, I'm going to praise him. There are times in your life where there are things that are wrong and that need to be straightened out. There can be sin. There can be lack of obedience, and it can bring in discomforts it can it can take god's blessing and 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 mess with it and the enemy seems that he's wreaking havoc in your life for a season but we need to know this i really believe today and this is his word it says seek first the kingdom of god and live righteously and his righteousness so i'm not going to condemn us Well, we need to get into that place. We cannot define what his blessing looks like, but if you truly want to be blessed by God continually, we must stay in that place where we're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. That's the place we need to be in today. We need to just get into that place today. And So just quickly, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, are we okay, everybody all right? Proverbs 3, verse 5, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. God is watching over everything, and that does not mean, and this is, this is strange, he's fully aware of. And his grace and mercy are for me, but that does not mean I'm free to do whatever I want. We could go to his word and we can say, well, Lord, you're watching over us. And then we can say, Lord, uh, this is tough for me to preach because people are going. There are seasons in your life where you're going through things. You're trying to, there's some devils that are trying to destroy things in your life. And, and there's going to be seasons where that's just hard. And it's not you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, doing the right thing. But you just got to go through it because you're trying to save life, literally save people in your lives. And so that's going to seem hard sometimes. So I don't want us to, see, to feel like when it's good, that means that God loves us and his blessings there. And when it's bad, that his blessing has been removed. All right, sometimes you're just going to go through things that need to be gone through, which are going to be hard, but it's for the purpose of the kingdom of God. Amen. In fact, most of the time it's going to be bad when you're seeking God's kingdom in the natural, because we have an enemy who does not like that you're standing for your wife and believing for her to be saved. And so everything in your life could look, and I started talking about this a little bit last week with Joel, do you remember, right? Sometimes... Things in your life can look chaotic, chaotic, and look like his blessings been removed. But instead, we must actually, actually look stuff. Don't look, don't look at all the stuff going on. You set your eyes on him, and suddenly you'll see his blessing again. You'll notice, wow, the Lord is actually. I'm noticing the little things, how he's protected me right now. I'm actually noticing his favor. I, I, I'm going to take my eyes off of the big, you know, all the, the enemy just. It's what he does. He tries to flood us with so many details that we miss the little details that God is actually doing and up to. Does that make sense? Amen. And that means that we must be living righteously, set our eyes on him. We have to set our eyes on him and we have to trust him and we have to follow him And we have to do it his way because what the enemy will do is the enemy will try to get us to make left turns and right turns based on our perception and not based on the kingdom of God. We need to decide today, Lord, I've decided to follow you to seek your kingdom first, to lift up the name of Jesus. And, you know, for instance, I don't talk about tithing a lot and I don't uh, really, I mean, ever ask for it here, so it's nothing to do with this church or your tithing here, but tithing, for instance, is hard to do to the flesh, and in the natural, it's a chunk of your money that you could do something in your life with, and it seems like it's going into oblivion in some ways because you're like, okay, I don't see the return yet, God. And you need to know that we are much more spiritual than we are physical. You need to know that, first of all, you're sowing beyond life and death into eternity, first of all. But second of all, that God is actually blessing you in ways that you couldn't even calculate. That even if God could explain it to you, you wouldn't even understand how he did it in your life. Amen. And so we must do things his way. Everybody said we must do it his way. Very, very quickly, I don't, I could talk too long, so I promised I'm not going to talk forever. So I just want to say quickly, who's been reading in our Joshua plan? We're just we're just about through it. And in Joshua 6, the Bible says that he tells him, I want you to go in and... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather around the city for seven days, and I want you to w- walk around the city for six days first, and I just want you, it says in verse 4, you're going to carry a ram's horn, and on the seventh day, uh, I want you to march around the town seven times, and when the priests blow the horns, I want you, when you hear the priests um, blowing the horns, then I want the people to shout, and the walls are going to come down. And that's exactly what happens. God gave them very specific instructions and it happened exactly how God said it. And he says in verse 18, he says, "Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or for yourselves will be it says or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Who knows the story? We just read it. What happens? They go in. God gave them very specific instructions. They take down Jericho. It's an amazing story. The walls fall down. But then uh, it says here in verse 24, says in verse 24, it says, The Israelites burned the town and everything in it, and only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. Verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. So God had done some things. God, they had trusted God, and God had done some things. But what happens is, is in chapter 7, let's start with verse 2 instead of verse 1, because verse 1 gives away the whole story. But Joshua chapter 7, verse 2 just says, so the Ai is the next city on the list, and they're like, hey, let's go into Ai, and let's do what we just did in Jericho, and they take it upon themselves. They don't consult the Lord. They say, it's not very many people. Look what we just did in Jericho. That was amazing. We just did that, and wow, you know, we're so amazing. Took down that city, and, uh, and so there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. And uh, so let's go up there and just defeat them quickly. We'll be back by lunchtime. And so what happens is the Bible says that they go to do that, and they're chased away, and 36 men are killed on their retreat. So Joshua and the elders, they, they come before God, and they're like, I don't understand what happened. I don't understand God, and God says in verse 7, Joshua 7, 7, he says, he says, uh, uh, verse 10, because that's Joshua's cry, he's like, Lord, why'd you do this? So verse 10, the Lord responds to Joshua, and he says, get up, why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they must, and they have not stolen them, uh, not only stolen them, but they've lied about it, and they've hidden the things among their own belongings. Verse 7, verse 1 says, a man named Achan had stolen these dedicated things. So we know, Just I'm just trying to breeze through it, you guys know these verses, and we just read it as a church. So he says, he tells them to get up, I want you to purify yourselves, and he says in verse 13... He says, I want you to set apart for the Lord the things that I told you you couldn't, I don't want you to touch it. He says, You will never, I want you to read this out loud. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. Now, I preached for like 30 minutes, 35 minutes to get to these punchlines here. God's for us. God's watching over us. God's blessings upon us. But, and I've said this in many times throughout the years, we must do things his way. And that seems simple because we're like, I'm a Christian. I read my word. I pray. I read. And, and I'm trusting God. So. But we must be seeking him at every battle, every step of the way, every single thing. And, you know, I truly believe as a Christian who really loves God, you can't make a mistake. I don't believe mistakes exist in God's eyes to a real believer who has our eyes on God. You make a wrong turn, but your heart is after God. God is so quick to write things and put things back. Doesn't mean there might not be a mess in the process, right? But he's so quick. But when we take it upon ourselves to start deciding of how and the wins and the what's, and it's so quick. They literally, God led them all through this, and then, Literally, one second later, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go figure this out on our own." You don't even realize they stepped into their own strength, and and if they had consulted the Lord before AI, he would have said, "Hey, don't go up to AI yet. You got to deal with some things. There's some things that need to be dealt with before 36 people died. You got to deal with some things." And so, again, I want to be clear: uh, there are things that we go through in our lives that are hard. So it doesn't mean that we're we are f- off the path. But every time that we are going through struggles, every time that things are happening in our lives, we don't need to consult Job's friends. But what we need to do is go back to the Lord. We need to bring the issues before the Lord. You're going through a struggle. You're going through a tough time. You need to come before the Lord like David would do. David did this all the time. And he's like, Lord, should I go or shouldn't I go? Which way should I go, Lord? And the Lord would answer him clearly. Don't go or do go. But we should never assume that because God was with us doing this before that he's with us to do it today i know that's like well why wouldn't he be he's blessed me here before why wouldn't he bless me here today we must be fluid with god we must be willing to come back to you know what it does it keeps us in check it keeps the strength off of us so that it's never us it's always him it was him in jericho it needed to be him in ai we don't have time to read the ai story but god defeats him pretty easily doesn't he And in fact, in AI, it makes it clear, it literally says God fought for them. In Jericho, it doesn't actually say, you know, the words like that God did it, even though it's obviously implied strongly. But it says it in AI very strongly, God did it. And so the place we need to be, and I know it's such a subtle, simple thing, but we need to get our eyes just on the kingdom of God and focus on his kingdom. He will take care of all the details. And it's so easy just to get our eyes back on this kingdom, (laughs) It's so fast. We take the worries. We take it back upon ourselves. Now we're trying to struggle to, to make something happen so fast, so quickly. We trust him with Jericho, and now Ai. Now I'm trying to do it on my own strength again. But the Bible says this. The Bible says that they removed everything. He says, Achan said, in verse 20, he says, I've sinned against the Lord. He said. He said, I saw... Now, this is so interesting. He said, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon. I saw coins, bars of gold. He says, I wanted them. (laughs) It's so subtle, and yet it's actually so bold. I know I should have asked the Lord, and if I had asked the Lord, I would have remembered he told me not to do this, said, don't touch anything here. But I used my perceptions, and I thought, it's not a big deal God won't mind if I take some of what he said is his and I keep it for myself. What's the big deal? And he hid them. Obviously, we hide what we're ashamed of. (laughs) So he knew. And you know what the irony is? And this is my closing scripture here. The irony is Joshua chapter 8. Who knows the story? Isn't this incredible? You know what the irony is? Joshua 8 verse 1. Very next chapter, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time, everybody say, but this time. Because with the Lord, that time is different than this time. I need you to say that out loud. With the Lord... That time is different than this time. This time we sought God and he said, okay, now I want you to do some things and take some things, enjoy some things, etc. Whatever it is that you were not permitted to do before, I haven't forgotten that I'm God, I'm not schizophrenic, but today... I'm telling you that that's okay. What wasn't okay yesterday wasn't sin. It's not like he told them, you know, you could go do something wrong. But I don't want you to touch the things here. But it's okay to touch it here. But that only became clear because it says they sought the Lord. God made it very clear when Joshua sought God. God said, "Why are you seeking me? Like like Why are you crying to me? Why are you on your face?" You should have sought me before because I would have told you. And so today, this is what it says. It says, this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. How ironic. How ironic that it destroyed them because they were out of, he was out of step with God. And so, you know what we just doing today? We're just going to set our eyes on his kingdom. We just set our eyes on him and just say, Lord... I don't even know if we've made a misstep. I don't know, Lord, am I in Jericho right now or am I in AI right now? I don't even know. It doesn't really matter. We're going to set our eyes on you. Lord, what do you have for us today? Because your word doesn't say to plan my seasons. Your word says to trust me every day. Your word says not even worry about tomorrow. That means that I'm seeking you for this day and this day only. Amen. And so, Lord, we just make that a prayer, and we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a plan and a purpose, and you are going to bless this church, Lord, and these families, Lord, even those that are not here physically, but, Lord, they are a part of this church. We just pray your blessing upon them, and we thank you, Lord, that the enemy tries to mess up what you are doing, but God, you do want to bless your people, and you have a plan and purpose for them, and I thank you, Lord Jesus. We're going to consult you, Lord, in our daily walk. Lord, what do you want from me today? I don't have time to say, well, I'll seek you tomorrow in three days, Lord. It's going to be great. We'll see you then. I must seek you today, Lord. What do you want from me today? What's your heart for me right now? And we just thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to do it in Jesus' name. Amen.